We are continuing our series in the in wisdom, looking at selected verses from Proverbs. And two weeks ago, we talked about our speech, words that we use. And there was a lot of warning there. We talked about the power of our words. And, and actually, we talked about mostly because even in these verses, we're going to be focusing on the power of our words for good, for life, for healing, for health. We, we, we find some warnings and some of the dangers of the power of our words. And that's what we focused on a couple of weeks ago. We talked about the fact that we're familiar with the phrase, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. And, uh, and we all know that that's ridiculous. And, uh, and Keller framed it as sticks and stones can break my bones, uh, but words can destroy the soul. Well, that is true. That's what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. But I think today we're going to focus on the idea that sticks and stones can break our bones, but words can bring life and healing and refresh the bones. And so this is this idea of, of full healing. And we desperately need those kinds of words. Uh, we, we feel it all the time. I, when I dropped Patton off at school, when we dropped Patton off at school, there was an administrator that shared about the presenting factors, the, the presenting uh, issues or concerns that the students had coming to the counseling center over the last year. And I'm just going to read through uh, some of those presenting issues and, and recognize that, that some of them will resonate with us, maybe multiple ones in different ways. Uh, this was in a small school, uh, a Christian school, uh, and this is what they are. Perfectionism, uh, illness, chronic illness, alcohol use, social anxiety, panic attacks, sexual assault, insomnia, drug use, suicidal ideation, dependencies, pornography, sexual abuse, assertiveness, academic probation, marital problems, ADHD, ADD, depression, eating disorders, blended family issues, stress, anxiety, gender dysphoria, grief and loss, acculturation issues, conflict resolution, self-harm, sexual activity, learning disabilities, study skills, Asperger's, trauma recovery, same-sex attraction, self-worth, decision-making, codependency, roommate conflict, spiritual struggles, time management, relationship issues, premarital uh, issues, divorce recovery, homesickness, anger, and rage. The list is, is, I feel like when I heard it, it was powerful to me. It's overwhelming uh, in a sense. Um, As we think about that, that that was something that folks are struggling with, but then also recognizing that it's things that we struggle with. And it's, it's, not, uh, it's, it's, it's not siloed off at, at one school or even for those who go to counseling. We, we regularly have with New Hope Counseling is in our announcements today because we recognize that is incredibly valuable. But we live in this world where, as we talked about in our Sunday school, things are not the way that they're supposed to be. And we desperately need words of life and encouragement right now. Because all of us are struggling with these things at some level or another. We desperately need from one another words of encouragement. And, 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 I, and to be clear, there are times when counseling, uh, special and specific counseling is, is necessary. 
And, uh, and there's something, I think, valuable about the, the preaching of the word and these kinds of uh, times where the word is, is, can be powerful. But what we find here in Proverbs, this call to wisdom, this call to what we talk about is this being skilled in the art of godly living, of godly relationships. We desperately need every single one of us to be able to speak words of life and healing to one another. And that's what these Proverbs are calling us to. The wisdom of speaking wise words of healing and goodness to one another. And we, we, we know that we need it. And if we need it, then others need it as well. And so we're going to see the four points that I'm going to make. Um, power of the word for good. The power of our words for good. The power through truth. The power through gentleness. And the power of good words. So it's power for good, power through the truth, power through gentleness, and the power of good news. Let me pray for us. Lord, we do pray that you would open our hearts and our minds. As I speak these words, Lord, that you would, through your spirit, encourage us, build us up, give us life and healing despite me. That we might be able to, despite ourselves, each one of us, speak words of healing and truth and life to one another, to those around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There is, is powerful, power for good in the words that we speak. And, and we're reminded what we talked about last week. Words are foundational. If we talk about wisdom, again, as being skilled in the art of godly relationships, uh, that words are how we actually interact. It's how we have relationship with one another. Words are fundamental in Scripture. We who are created in the image of God... See God use his words in amazing ways. He creates everything with his words. He reveals himself and all of his power and his goodness through his words, through scripture. He reveals himself to us so that we could know who he is and know how to be in relationship with him. He meets us where we are. And then we see that as, as his story moves forward, he brings about salvation and redemption and restoration and hope through his words and ultimately through the word, become flesh, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, entering into our world as the word, bringing ultimate and eternal life as we trust in him. This is, remember, the story of all of scripture. The words are powerful. And our words are not quite, not even clear, not even close to as powerful as God's words. And yet we're created in his image and there are ways in which we reflect him. And one of those ways we see in these Proverbs is that our words can be used to give life and hope and healing. And look at some of, some of the things that uh, the writers of the Proverbs say here. It, it describes uh, the tongue of the righteous as choice silver, this incredibly valuable thing. In twelve eighteen, it brings healing. The tongue of the wise, it brings healing. And, and that's in response to the fact that uh, rash words are like sword thrusts. They, they bring destruction, but, but the words of the righteous bring healing. That is powerful. That anxiety, verse 25, 12, 25, can, can weigh a man down, but good words make him glad. And again, I'm not discounting. Uh, there are times that we think that counseling is really valuable, but there is also each and every one of us. These words are for every follower of Jesus. These words apply to us. Our words can bring healing, can make others glad. 15 one, a soft answer turns away wrath. Verse four, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, 
Verse 30, the good news refreshes the bones. That is this full-orbed picture of healing, physical and mental healing that the words can bring. And then in chapter 16, gracious words are described like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. It, is, it, is, it brings joy. It brings hope. Healing, gladness, life, refreshing the bones, sweetness to the soul. These are the words that are used to describe the words that we speak. This is what we're called into. And we know, we know this from our own experience, right? When someone speaks words of life and encouragement to us. You remember a time that, that someone said, you know, you look great. You did a great job. I, I, I'm so thankful that I'm your friend or neighbor or spouse, or parent, or child. When people say those things to us, they're, they're powerful. I mean, I remember just thinking about words that have been spoken to me. I, I remember words that one of my teachers spoke to me in elementary school about how they were encouraged that I, I would try to be friends with everybody. And it was incredibly encouraging to me, and it actually shaped the way that I continued to try to do that. Those words were powerful that I remember now a lot of years later. And, and, we know that words are powerful to encourage us and build us up and give us life and bring healing to us. And so my encouragement to you is to think about and remember times in your own life where you've heard and received words of life and encouragement. And to, to think about how, that, how, how you could reenact that for others. To think about who are people that you could give words of life and encouragement to. I, 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 uh, there, there are often times in my own marriage where uh, it will come up that I was thinking something uh, about, uh, about Stephanie, about something that she's done that's encouraged me or something that I appreciate about her, but I didn't actually speak the words. I'm like, oh, I didn't say that? I thought that. And it, it's helpful to be reminded, oh, actually, we should speak, particularly when there are words of, of hope and life and encouragement uh, to others, to be intentional about that. Our words are powerful for good. That's what the writers of Proverbs here are telling us. And then the question might be, okay, well, how can they be, how, how do we speak those words? What, what, how, what would those words look like? I mean, there's this description of, you know, words of uh, the righteous, um, the tongue of the righteous, um, the there's a description of particular kinds of words, right? Well, the next two points, that there's power through truth and power through gentleness, we see the description of what our words would look like. The first is that there's power through truth. We can understand this fairly simply as there, there are words that are true, that, that are not lies, that are, that are in accordance with reality. Verse 19 of chapter 12, truth, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. There's truth has eternal consequences. It, it matters for the long haul. Lies are, are fleeting, and we find in other places incredibly destructive. One of the verses not read here, but chapter 24, verse 16, whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. There's this value. There's something caring and speaking the truth. And on some level, we know that this is true, right? But on another, we're so tempted to, to twist truth, to just to make ourselves look or feel a little bit better, we, we, we exaggerate, we try to hide uh, the reality of things. And, and yet we know fundamentally that this breaks trust. 
We can't really have relationship. We can't enter into the field in the art of godly relationships if there are lies between us. It breaks relationships. So we're called to, to truth. We're called to de- declare what is true to one another. It sometimes seems very simple, but it can often be hard because we tell each other lies, but we tell ourselves lies. One of the things that uh, is just beautiful about storied lies, so you've heard it announced, there are flyers out there. It, it, it's, I will say it's, it's a vulnerable time to come and share stories from your past, uh, but it's to do it in a really safe way. And, and the thing that happens is when people share their stories, uh, often stories of, of traumas, stories of pain, is that those that are with them in the group have opportunity to speak gospel truth over those stories. And I've heard about what happens in those moments when truth is spoken over the lies that we've been told or that we've told ourselves. It's incredibly beautiful and freeing. There is incredible hope in those moments of having truth of the gospel spoken over the lies that we tell ourselves and that others have told us. It is powerful for good, for life, for healing. That's one way you can apply, is to think about storied lives, to have truth spoken over your own stories and to find hope within that. Now, we're called to speak this kind of truth, and sometimes it, we, we see here in chapter 27 that that means that we're speaking something hard into the lives of others. This idea of rebuke. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are word, the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. And we talked about this a few weeks ago when we talked about humility and pride, the need to receive discipline and correction from others, that we need the humility to be able to do that, Right? It's super easy. We love it when people correct us, and we love it when they point out something that we've done wrong. We do not like that. It's really hard and painful, and we need humility to be able to enter into that. But it's ultimately life-giving because it speaks truth into our lives so that we can move forward. This is why we have a confession of sin every week. We speak the truth of our own brokenness and our sin, but we do that in order to move forward through the forgiveness that is offered and through the power of the Spirit that allows us to move and grow past Not past sin completely, but there is uh, sanctification that moves us forward in life. Not to perfection, but to to more and more being made in the image of Christ. So we, we need that. And we need that spoken to us. But here we find this idea that, as, as we talked about last week, that there's power for brokenness and there's power for good this week. Uh, those are both for those who speak words and those who receive them. And so as we're called to speak words of life and truth and hard truth and to rebuke others, that can be really hard. It's, it's not only hard to receive, it's hard often to speak into the lives of others and to call out what is wrong. And, and, and there are a number of reasons that that's true. I mean, I can say, as somebody who is tempted to be a people pleaser and a conflict avoider, it is often hard for me to speak truth into somebody's life because I don't want to offend. I don't want somebody to feel bad. And, and yet, that's what, the, what Proverbs 27 here describes as, as hidden love or profuse or the kisses of an, of an enemy. That's, that's actually not caring for somebody. We, we also don't like to speak into it because uh, uh, 
it, we live in a time where, where everybody says, you know, I'm just going to define truth for myself. And so who are you to speak in, you know, you, you hateful person that you would call me on this? This is just, this is my truth. This is, this is what I think. And, uh, and, and you shouldn't say these things to me. We think that sometimes we think that love is to not challenge, is just to affirm everything that a person says or does and to not speak truth into their lives. And we do this in all kinds of ways. And, and I would venture to say that as a person and as a, a congregation, that this is, this is a temptation. I mean, one of the things that we think about this, and there's a call here to, to care for and love one another within the church and to encourage one another in sanctification. But we're also called to share truth with those outside, with those who need Jesus. And this is something we proclaim every week. And, and we hope even that, there, that folks here don't yet trust Jesus, that they would hear these words of truth and, and turn to him. But we typically do a good job of, of loving folks, of getting to know, of valuing. We're all created in the image of God, but we, we struggle to take that step to say, well, actually, you, you need Jesus, just like I do. It's not something that we tend to do well. And I'm speaking about my own self and heart and I think our congregation as well. And so there's a challenge then to think about where do hard truths need to be spoken? And maybe it's in close family relationships. Maybe it's with friends. Maybe it's with coworkers. Where, where do we need to speak truth into the lives of those that we love, that we care for? And how do we do that well? Now, it's also true, maybe we have heard it described as, you know, we need to speak the truth and love. We need truth and love together. And I'm going to say that love covers both truth and gentleness. And that's how uh, uh, I think that we need to think about it. And that what we find here in these Proverbs is that there is power through gentleness. Our speech must come with gentleness. It comes with truth, sure. But it also matters how we speak it. I actually said two weeks ago that, there, that knowledge is knowing what to say and wisdom is knowing when to say it. So there's gentleness comes with when we say what, certain truths, Right. Uh, but, it, but it also comes with how we say it. And we find a call to a soft answer or gentle tongue in verse chapter 15. A soft answer turns away wrath. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. This theme continues through into the New Testament. 1 Timothy 3, James 3, Colossians 4. They all talk about speaking gentleness, with gentleness, even proclaiming truth. And, and Paul is... Uh, and James are writing these letters, and they're, they're, they're truthful, but they're also calling us to, to gentleness. So this idea of, of, I'm just speaking, you know, I just really, I speak truth uh, as an excuse for being a jerk is not allowed for here. But I just really appreciate somebody who just speaks truth, right? They're going to, uh, there are times, yes, when we have to speak truth, and it, it, it will bring conflict. But we do need to give particular attention to the way in which we speak. And there's all kinds of ways that that's affected. It's what we say. It's when we say it. It's how we say it. Tone matters immensely. It's, it's somebody who has, in the past, used sarcasm on occasion. I, I, I recognize that the tone matters. You know, I... I, I, I I remember getting in trouble when I was in college and saying things that were so clear, like it was me trying to be ironic or sarcastic and I would say these things that it was just, to me, it was so obvious that it wasn't true, but somebody thought I was being serious and I really hurt their feelings. Um, and so 
sometimes we have to explain ourselves. But we also have to use uh, our, the right tone. Our facial expressions matter. Our, our uh, posture matters. Which does, by the way, make it all the more important to think well about how we communicate in so many places where tone and body language and all those things don't exist. Email and text and social media, it's that much harder to recognize it's that much harder to be gentle in those places. Know that that's true, and, and I would say particularly when you're having difficult conversations, difficult relational conversations, have them in person whenever you can. There, there are going to be times when you, when you have to communicate over text or email. Or, there's probably not any times you have to communicate over social media. But, but be aware of that reality, that those flat mediums, it's hard to be gentle in those places. And, and particularly if somebody is receiving those, those words, particularly if they're, they're words of challenge, of truthfulness, you, you, you go to dark places in your head pretty quickly without having... Uh, helpful tone or, or the ability to say, wait, you, do you mean, no, I didn't mean that. This, this is, you know, just be aware of that reality. It is hard to be gentle in those places. And, and then to be aware in social media that uh, it used to be that we just would have conversations. If you communicate with somebody, the words were face-to-face, right? Maybe you would mail a letter. A lot of us have mailed a lot of letters, right? We're doing that a lot now. Uh, and then, you know, maybe you'd have a conversation over the phone, but, but now... You're having a conversation, and it's heard by uh, dozens, hundreds, thousands of people on social media. Like, there are all kinds of people hearing what is being said. What does it look like to be gentle in those places? Are we thinking for those that will see our communication, all of those that will see and hear the, the words, the pictures that communicate words? Are we being gentle? Because... Not only are we called to be, to be gentle here, we also are encouraged that the point here was there's power through gentleness. We tend to think, okay, we're supposed to be gentle, and the words aren't really going to help if they're gentle. I need to be loud if I'm, if I'm going to get what I want to communicate across. But what, we're, what we see here is that there's actually power in gentle words, a soft answer turns away. Turning away wrath is a powerful act. Somebody comes at us with wrath, if we're to say, oh yeah, I'm sorry, let me think about that, has a completely different uh, result than saying, how dare you say this thing about me? Even if it's just, let me think about that. You, you, you might, let me, let me take time to reflect on what you're saying. We, there's power in that. And then then we find uh, in chapter 25, verse 15, with patience, a ruler may be persuaded. Patience, gentleness, a soft tongue will break a bone. Now that is a a phrase that means change somebody's mind that was hardened in their position. And in the picture, the word language here, break a bone, that is powerful. A, A soft tongue will break a bone. There is power in gentleness. There's a great example of this in 1 Samuel verse 20, chapter 25. There's a story of Nabal has this clan of folks and he says some terrible things about King David. And King David is rightly angry. And so instead of being angry and you know, having a conversation with Nabal about it, he decides, I'm gathering some guys and we're going to do some destruction. 
And on his way to destroy Nabal and his folks, Abigail, Nabal's wife, comes and meets him halfway and says, you know what? Sorry, Nabal's, he's kind of foolish. And I'm so sorry. And, uh, and, and yes, he, he deserves punishment, but would you show mercy? She is gentle and truthful. And she comes to David and it turns away his wrath. It changes his direction. And David recognizes your words were from the Lord, Abigail. Your, your words are powerful and they were of God and they have turned away wrath. There's power in these kinds of words. And as we think about this, we're reminded last week that uh, these issues, or two weeks ago, we're reminded of the fact that uh, our speech is always, it, it's something that flows from the heart. Jesus himself tells us in Matthew chapter 12, verse 24, that, uh, that from the heart flows the mouth, that the, the words that we speak, they come out of our heart. They're not, it's not just simple, hey, say the right things. It, it comes from who we are. It comes from the things that we love and seek after. We, we see even hints of that here in the Proverbs 15, verse 30. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart and good news refreshes the bone. The light of the eyes is this picture of uh, the, what, what comes from the inside, what comes from who we are in our depths. It rejoices the heart. This is, these are heart issues, 16, verse 23. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious. It, the heart affects the speech. And so then we're faced with, okay, the application isn't just, hey, start saying some encouraging words to your family members, to your classmates. And, and it, it's, what is our heart doing? What's going on in our hearts and how can we shape our hearts in a way? We can't just buckle down and say the right thing. That, that is something that is, we do think about those things, and that's true for all of us. It doesn't matter how old you are. This, this, these aren't just words for the preacher, or words for leaders, community group leaders, or it, words for adults even. All of our words have power. Every one of us, to our classmates, to our parents, to people who are our same age and younger and older, all of our words have power, and all of our hearts need to be shaped in such a way that we're actually able to be wise in the way in which we engage with others in a way that brings life and healing and hope to others. And the good news is that there is power in the good news, the words of God, the communication of Jesus himself become flesh dwelling among us. We desperately need good news to refresh our bones. Good news is the language, it's the words that are the gospel. The gospel means good news. The work of Jesus that we're about to celebrate at the Lord's table is that he has addressed the brokenness of our heart, the rebellion of our heart that doesn't speak words of life and healing and refreshment. Our heart that speaks words of destruction and pain and hurt. And there's a recognition, the gospel tells us, the reality of the fall tells us that we're gonna continue to do that. There are gonna be places where we're gonna mess up and we're gonna say hurtful things to people that we love. And in that moment, there is, as there always is, forgiveness from the Lord who addresses our hearts. The good news that the word became flesh and dwelt among us so that we might have relationship with him, that he might draw us all up into him and give us the comfort of his heart, the comfort of his words over us, that he would shape and change our hearts so that we might speak words of encouragement and life 
and refreshment to one another because of the power of what he has done and what he continues to do in all of our lives. That is his good news for you and for me. Ultimate life. And it affects our own lives in the way in which we live and speak to one another. Let's pray.